Uh, and here are words that Jesus offers to uh, the apostles, the twelve that he has called to the disciples, the group of those who are following him, uh, and to those who have sought him to be healed or are curious about him or perhaps even opposed. Here now words that we will be glad to have heard before all of our desserts. Then Jesus looked up at his disciples and he said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. And blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. And blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you or revile you or defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice and be glad on that day, for surely your reward is great in heaven, for that is what their ancestors did to the prophets. Oh, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who are laughing now, for you will mourn and weep. And woe to you when all speak well of you, for that is what their ancestors did to the false prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly God, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so may your word be that proceeds from your mouth, that it shall not return to you empty, but accomplish that which you purpose, and succeed in the thing for which you sent it. And may the words of my human mouth and the meditations of our human hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your heavenly sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So of the things you hear often in worship, among those that you will hear quite frequently in this sanctuary from one of the three of us is this. Please be seated. Sometimes we say, you may be seated, when we really want to mix things up. (laughs) And when we say it that way, it's more of a command or an invitation than a statement of fact. And it's remarkable, every time we say it, you comply. Your, Your compliance rate is 100%. In fact, the speed with which many of you drop down indicates perhaps some level of perhaps fatigue from all of those seconds of grueling standing, or maybe your fear of standing out as the last one sitting down. But more deeply, I think your willingness to return to these simply cushioned pews reflects the muscle memory of our Presbyterian faith, a tradition that has for centuries practiced and valued the rhythm of order, decorum, and restraint. 
Whereas many in the Christian tradition express their awe and thanksgiving with their arms waving high, we tend to worship and maintain the seated position, our hands folded thoughtfully on our laps. After all, our Constitution is called what? The Book of Order. Now, all of this orderliness, while good and truly reflective of who we are, at least in part, it nonetheless is ironic, given that our faith emerges from holy upheavals to the established order unleashed by a boundary-breaking God who split the seas wide to free the enslaved, who overcame the divide between heaven and earth by assuming the frail flesh of an infant child, and who, with an earthquake, rolled away the great stone to usher victory over the violence of death. These events seem standworthy, no? And yet, there may be something to be said for the sanctity of our being seated. You have likely seen or experienced moments, either in real life or on TV, when someone needs to tell another person a piece of important, significant, and life-altering news. Before dropping the bomb, they start to act like a Presbyterian pastor because they say, you, you might want to be seated for this. Please sit down. Now, even though the person will soon learn it's the end of the world as they know it, by all means, let's keep things orderly. They might stand and rise for the thrilling conclusion of a basketball game or when they make their wedding vows or when they hear the jury announce its verdict, but on the eve of their great upheaval, they're often asked to take a seat. I believe this invitation to be seated sounds a lot like Luke at the beginning of his gospel. Most excellent Theophilus, Luke writes, I too decided after investigating everything carefully from the very first to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the truth. Now, why Luke sounds like a butler from Downton Abbey, I am not sure. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think we can paraphrase Sir Luke and hear him saying this. Theophilus, you may be seated. For the truth that I am about to deliver to you in an orderly fashion will disorder completely your understanding. The Gospel's account of upheaval in this book. It begins right away with the story of a barren and elderly woman who becomes pregnant and her priestly husband who is rendered mute. A wordless pastor perhaps being the greater of the two miracles. <laughs> nice setup there, Whitney, with the children's sermon. Luke's opening pages set the stage for a gospel where the least of these become the greatest. And those who are high are brought down low. Recall how a lowly Mary will be magnified and sing, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has scattered the proud and brought down the powerful from their thrones. He has lifted the lowly and filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. Recall how an elderly man, Simeon, who had been waiting for this child to be born, would say of him, 
This child will be destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and a sword will pierce your own soul as well. And then, of course, there's John the Baptist, who proclaims that in Christ and in the kingdom of God, every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low. Truly, we may need to sit down for all of this. For in Luke's ordered accounts, we hear today, Jesus proclaimed the very reversal that Mary, Simeon, and John predicted. Words that flip and turn upside down our conception of reality. Jesus tells those around him that the poor will receive the fullness of the kingdom of God while the rich, with all their wealth, will be left empty-handed. The famished, Jesus said, will be filled while those who are, fill, who are full will now go hungry. The weepers, oh, they will be blessed with laughter, but the mirthful will be mired in their mourning. And those currently in favor, those well-liked, will be those who are rejected and denied, while those now scorned will be soon adorned in heavenly praise. Christ's words are what we call performative language. That is, in their performance, in their being said, they do not merely describe reality as it is, but they bring that reality into being through the power and authority of the one who speaks the words. For example, it is the umpire's shout that makes a pitch a strike. It is the jury's verdict that renders the defendant guilty or innocent. And a couple is not married until the efficient declares that they are. Previously in Luke, Jesus concluded his reading from a scroll announcing release to the captives and sight to the blind by saying, Today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. These words are performative. They fashion a reality by virtue of the high authority of the one who speaks their truth into being. Now, Jesus spoke with such authority in our passage today that we might expect him to be speaking from up above, from up high. But in Luke's crafting, they emanate from below. I mean, below. For indeed, this material in Luke is known as the Sermon on the Plain, not the Sermon on the Mount. And in placing Jesus on low ground, it's as though Luke has invited the hearers of his cataclysmic words to please be seated. For what Jesus says will reverse and reorder all that we thought to be the case. So come on down to the solid ground. Find your true foundation as you hear what will shake the foundation of your understanding. And for some of you, your comfort and your ease. This is where it gets harder. Because unlike Matthew, whose Sermon on the Mount only offers blessings, Luke's Sermon on the Plain includes pointed messages of woe and warning. For some, this upheaval, this reversal, is going to be painful. And Jesus speaks as one who both condemns and pities those undergoing this pain. Later in Luke, Jesus will teach the parable of the rich man 
who was always dressed in fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day, while a poor man named Lazarus begged at the rich man's gate. Covered with sores, hungry for the scraps of the rich man's table, Lazarus ultimately succumbs to his squalor and dies. And he is taken, as Jesus tells it, by the angels to be with Abraham, the great patriarch. But the rich man, who, despite all his wealth, could not buy his way out of death, and upon his dying found himself in Hades, where he endured great torment. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Oh, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus, in a like manner, evil things. But he is now comforted here, and you are in agony. Christ's promise or warning of reversal, which this parable narrates, speaks of a salvation that by its very nature will comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. In the crowds that day, there were likely listeners, rich and poor, who found themselves on either side of this divide. Some who were being promised comfort and joy and others' affliction and anguish. And in preaching this text in this context, in preaching this sermon on a sermon, the temptation is to smooth out the rough edges, to soften the harshness of what Christ's warning gives to those who experience life despite its many challenges as more comfortable than cataclysmic. And those who would hope for a continuation of order rather than a disruption of disorder. Indeed, many of us, myself included, might prefer God's salvation to work in such a way that the rising tide would indeed raise all boats and avoid all this talk of sinking the satisfied as we buoy those mired on the ocean's floor. But this is not what Jesus says in Luke's gospel, nor is it his mission as the one who would be destined for the rising and the falling of many in Israel. So to such a message of disorder, what shall our posture be? And I would say a seated one might be in order. For where we stand in this story may depend on whether we sit. Sitting is not just a physical act of taking a seat. It's taking the time to listen before reacting, to contemplate before countering. For when we sit, we are more prone to engage than defend. Because when we stand, we are prone to be in flight or to be ready to fight. By being seated, we, by our posture, grant authority to the one speaking, and we put ourselves in a position of obedience and trust. In other words, we make ourselves available. 
The 46th Psalm says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, we will not fear because we may be still and know that God is God. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. To me, this is a much nicer way of saying, please be seated. For indeed, the Lord of hosts is with us. Of all of the narrative details, the little nuggets of descriptive language that Luke uses in this text, the most significant, the most significant may be the fact that Jesus began his plain speaking sermon by looking up. Reminiscent of the fact that he, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. In other words, though Jesus was on high, he sat himself down. He looked up to those to whom he might otherwise expect to be looking down. And thus he participated himself in the very reversal that he would announce in the sermon that was to come. Yes, Jesus spoke of woe, but he spoke it from below, seated on the plain, and that may make all of the difference. The journey he invites us to take us on is a journey that he himself has undertaken and the journey with which he will be present with us. To see the world as Jesus saw it, we might begin by sharing his vantage point, sitting down, perhaps outside of the gate, sitting on the mats with the afflicted and the marginalized descendants of Lazarus. For it was sitting in those places, with those people, that Jesus came to rise, and they with him. Now this is not to infer meekness or deny the importance of movement and activity and action and standing up for what is good and right and true. For Jesus would conclude his sermon by urging the disciples to obey his word, to follow him and act. And we all know that Jesus walked the walk of what he talked. In Jesus, being seated is not the same thing as being stationary or submissive. And if it is time to sit, there will come a time to rise. To rise. For in the end, we remember that the end of all of this is in fact salvation. The great rising up of all of God's people. In Christ, we meet the end of the world as we know it, and that is meant to be good news even for those for whom woe is warned. For it may be that the ones who are brought down from their high perches, from their fullness into the depths of hunger, will be the ones who are proclaimed by Christ to be soon blessed with a new kind of fullness. If those on high do fall, they join the ones who in Christ will be raised, risen indeed. So friends, today, 
your pastor has not been wordless, but hopefully this time will not be barren for you. In the words of Mary and Simeon and John, as given in the orderly reporting by Luke, we hear news of great change and disruption awaiting this world in Jesus Christ. On his authority, in the performance of his words and of his life, what we thought was up may end up down, and what was down may end up up. In light of the salvation he offers, please welcome this opportunity to not seek to be sated, but to be seated, and with Jesus to look up with those who are presently down, and then join them in their rising. Amen.